Purdue is less than a week away from its exhibition opener at Arkansas following its fan day scrimmages over the weekend. Our takeaways from the scrimmages on Golden Black Radio, I'm Kyle Charters. Brian Newbert here as well. Brian, in a moment, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. All right, Brian, the Boilermakers on fan day finished with a record of three and three. I don't know what we make of that, uh, but <laughs> but uh, they won three and lost three. Uh, it was a good day for for Purdue. It seemed like I, I thought that uh, I thought that there were several takeaways, in my opinion. I'm sure you shared some of those and had others as well. I I loved uh, the Zach Eady, Trey Kaufman, Rand combination. I, I think that we're hoping that we see good things from that. And at least it seemed to me uh, during the time that they were together for a couple of games there uh, during the scrimmage that uh, that it could be a pretty dynamic duo up front for the Boilermakers. How long were you sitting on that opening joke? <laughs> uh, walking down the stairs from uh, from talking to the kid all the way upstairs. Uh, so only about two minutes. Not bad. Okay. Well, yeah, the Zach Eady, Trey Kaufman, Ren thing is, um, you know, obviously one of the things that bears the most attention kind of as the season looms here, how much Purdue's going to be able to do that. The funny thing is, like, Every coach I talk to, anybody connected with the program I talk to, doesn't think it's going to be an issue whatsoever. The players are the ones who are like, well, you know, the spacing's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, because those are both guys whose game is predicated on them um, identifying their their desired real estate and occupying it. And um, neither of them are small. And, you know, Zach Eady's gigantic and Trey Kaufman ran – you have seen his quasi-European game and his all his up-and-under stuff and how much kind of blast radius he needs in the post. Mm -hmm. um, so Purdue's got to figure out the spacing offensively. Uh, you saw a couple of instances where, you know, they were, they were able to play post-to-post -post and things like that. Um, interesting to see what, if Purdue shows that in games, what defenses are going to be able to do against that um, in terms of, how they can combat it. Um, all that my take is the guy double teaming Zach Eady or Craig Kaufman run or whoever's making the pass to simply sag off the last second, get a hand up. I don't know. Um, but it is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting defensively uh, as much as it is offensively. Um, but it is also possible that, you know, for as much as I've written about this, for as much as we've talked about this, rightfully so, because it's a big deal and something Purdue's putting a lot of, um emphasis on it's possible this just becomes like a wrinkle i and not like something produced in 25 minutes a game or something like that it's possible yeah. this is just a couple of minutes a game produced playing this way in which case you might be able to get that short-term offensive bump mm -hmm. without um uh without giving the defense an opportunity to uh set itself and figure things out on the fly um but trey coffin ryan's got to make threes too i mean that that's part of this. They can't have a situation where uh, the defense isn't respecting him out beyond the three-point line or else the whole lane's going to 
going to get gummed up and, you know, things like that. But it is going to be interesting to see what happens to Zach Eadie's assist numbers. Yeah. Because there are going to be some scenarios this year where he's feeding the post, whether it's from the elbow or whether it's the other side of the lane. And, um, you know, if, if Purdue makes more threes this year or shoots a higher percentage than they did last year, which I, I think they will, and this this E.D. Kaufman-Ren stuff, you know, is viable and works, uh, you might – there's a world where Zach E.D.'s assist numbers double. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's probably a world, too, where his, his his scoring average goes down a little bit. I, I think I think it's possible that he has, you know, a better year even than he had last year. Well, statistically, at least the numbers that a lot of people look at, the scoring numbers – maybe go down slightly. I don't think that means that he's a lesser player by any means. I, I think it means that uh, perhaps he's grown uh, as, a, as a better all-around player and that perhaps there's, you know, Purdue didn't lack for weapons certainly last year, but perhaps well, more diversity from, from, from that perspective this year. They lacked for ready weapons. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they were as ready for the moment around Zachy as they turned out to be now. Last season wasn't possible without without Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer being what they were right away. But at the same time, now those two guys have a year of experience. They understand what all goes into it. And, you know, Craig Kaufman runs in the same boat. And you just have more guys who've done it before. You, you have more established um, people around Edie. I think last year, like, you know, when Zach Eady just turned into Superman before Portland and uh, you know, this, this sounds funny to say this, but it's almost like Purdue got sucker punched and it ended up being the situation where he had to touch the ball around the rim every single time. And now I think they can do some things differently. They can run offense through different people. And you are reading your, you're reading my mind when you say that there are very real possibilities here where, where where Zach Eady's numbers go down and Purdue is a better team. Now, part of that is simply the fact that when you look at Eady's numbers from last year, how much threshold is there to improve? I already talked about his assist numbers increasing, but is he gonna is he gonna score that much more? Is he gonna rebound that much more? I mean, it's there's not a whole lot of margin there to fill in. Uh, but I think if more of the scoring load f- gets picked up by some of these other guys you're suddenly sitting here thinking that hey we don't need you know 25 points a night from Zach yeah. Eady. we can we could get 18 and then a little bit more from everybody else defenses have more to worry about and you could be better because of that uh, you could also get in situations where as as people around Edie become more credible all of a sudden uh Edie's maybe not getting guarded by the whole other team uh, too, which could open up a lot of other stuff for, for people we're not even talking about right now. Yeah. It's uh, it's for me, this is, you know, this is obscure to, uh, to a lot of people, not obscure to me because I was there covering it, but it's Katie Douglas junior year versus Katie Douglas senior year. She averaged like 24 points a game as a junior, 20 points a game as a senior because they added all those, other weapons yeah. and then you know lost in the the national championship game she was a better player just had more weapons around her um the other thing a long like, time ago dude it was a long time ago um 
the other thing to like is the the Smith ED high ball screen pick and pick and roll combination. I mean, they, uh, they did it a few times. Uh, ED going to the basket like that. Uh, I don't know if it works against everyone, <laughs> but it'll work against uh, a lot of people. That's a it's a pretty good combination. It seemed like at least it was on Saturday. Well, it's going to work when Braden Smith's making pull is making pull up jumpers. Part of the reason that you know Purdue wants him to score more this year or look to score more is because when he's credible um, as a scorer and people have to stick with him, then that backside that backside lob or that pocket pass gets opened up because it's not uh, they're not sticking to they're not sticking to Edie the way they probably were more inclined to last year. So I, yeah. I think you saw it at times where where Smith kind of burned that and, and, and got all the way to the rim, but I think Purdue needs Smith doing that all the more. The, th- the amazing thing about Edie or one of the one of the myriad uh, amazing things about Edie is that how springy he is. Like yeah. This, this will probably be an obscure reference, but you, I'll see your Katie Douglas 20 years ago and I'll raise you Amari Stoudemire and uh, <laughs> Steve Nash. And uh, I just thought that yeah, Zach Eady's ability to be light on his feet, roll through the lane, catch the pass, and be off the ground with two hands on the ball in one motion – just is not something a seven foot four, three hundred pound guy should be able to do as clean as he does it. Yeah. Now, at some point in time, they're going to just sit somebody in the lane um, and try to take that away. I'm sure, but he can be pretty effective doing that. Uh, it's going to be a much bigger part of Purdue's offense, I would strongly suspect, uh, and uh, he's more than capable of doing it. The other thing that I noticed, and, and you did as well, uh, was just the performance of Ethan Morton. I did not uh, anticipate, and perhaps you did, uh, that he would be uh, as much of the number two point guard. He clearly was the number two point guard. Um, but he looked natural, and he looked uh, he looked at home there. He looked good with the ball in his hands. He made good decisions. He had some shots. Uh, we know he can defend. Uh, a guy who you know, I think was in, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, in danger, I don't know maybe lost in the mix a little bit there on the wing suddenly finds uh, a, a new home and maybe a better home there as that guy coming off the bench as a different look point guard. Uh, you were impressed, I think, with what you saw out of him. Yeah. Well, I didn't know what to expect. I haven't seen him practice in a month and a half. Yeah. So, you know, my opinion was just solely based on what we saw from him last season. And, um, you know, I, I think he'd be the first to tell you that uh, last season he was a little out of his comfort zone there, kind of thinking too much and waiting for things to come to him and just sort of watching things and analyzing things and maybe falling prey to um, analysis by paralysis. Paralysis by analysis sometimes. And when he started missing some shots, that got between his ears. And... uh, as he told me after the scrimmage other day, he could make zero threes this year, and uh, it wouldn't. It's not going to affect the other stuff he does on the floor. And I think you saw a guy Saturday who um, looks much more comfortable with the ball in his hands, making plays for himself and other people than uh, he did just kind of st- standing around and waiting for productivity to find him. Yeah, yeah, I felt like a good fit for sure. Um, I mean, it looked like it out there. Which is which is good to see. Uh, 
I thought Lance well, Jones was good. Well, Go ahead. It answers a lot of questions too, because yeah. you know, on paper it looked like you had Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer in the backcourt, and then Lance Jones backing up both of those guys. But Lance Jones also starting uh, as that third guard, as I think is what they're going to do. Um, yeah. Now it looks like you got four guys who are pretty well established because as deep as everybody seems to think Purdue is, and I always caution that depth is just numbers until depth is proven. Uh, I think now things look a little bit different. I think Lance Jones is going to be a guy who guards on the ball some, plays point guard some, but also plays and, and defends on the wing as much as he does on the ball. And I think Ethan Morton's going to get some run at point guard offensively and he can still be that wing defender. It, 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 it fills in a gap defensively because now you have two guys in Ethan Morton and Lance Jones who, you know, can be pretty good defensive players and pretty versatile defensive players for you too. Um, and that's not something Purdue's often had. They've, they've often had one guy, but they never had two of them at once. Jones seems to be a good fit, man. He does a lot of things well. And, it, and he's, you know, in this system being here, he's not going to have to have the ball all the time like he had in, you know, his previous career. But, he, I mean, it looks like he's a guy who can be productive without having to, you know, take 12 shots per game. I mean, at least it looks like it. I mean, it, we'll, we'll see. But uh, that was my impression from Saturday. Yeah. When you've got a team like Purdue's, you know, you're, your scoring get, gets accounted for by, uh, you know, Zach Eady, uh, Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith, maybe a little bit more from Trey Kaufman Ren this year. Presumably that that's the hope anyway. And the other guys just have to be opportunists. Yeah. You know, um, when the ball goes into and out of the post and gets moving and gets to that backside corner, you're going to have driving opportunities. You're going to have open threes periodically, depending on what the defense is doing in terms of who they're helping off to help on Edie, that player is going to get a lot of open looks. And those were the shots last season that ended Purdue's season. They couldn't make them uh, when it mattered most in that last game. And uh, I think Lance Jones, I don't think you're going to see him. I think if you're looking at the numbers from Saturday, he's not going to shoot that many threes. I think he, he I think he shot double figure threes yesterday, made yeah. four of them. I think he's probably a guy you get one or two a game out of, um, and be damn happy about it. But it's him, it's Morton, it's Heidi, it's Miles Colvin uh, in whatever role he's going to play this season. It's, uh, you know, Mason Gillis, it's Trey Kaufman running. It's those guys that have to be able to make those open looks to keep everybody else clean. It sure looks like Lance Jones can do that. But also Lance Jones is so quick that when you get those baseline angles, uh, he, he's a guy who can use that quickness to, get to the basket a little bit, uh, drive and kick, drive and dump off to Edie or, or Kaufman Renner, whoever it might be around the rim, uh, too. So it, it's very important he make good decisions offensively when opportunities present themselves. He's got so many weapons around him. Uh, I don't know if he's ever had to be an opportunist before offensively, uh, but he's going to have to be now. What is that role, you think, for Miles Colvin? Got a lot to learn, man. Uh yeah. He's talented as hell, uh, as everybody knows, as everybody's seen. But he is he is really, really having to learn a lot from a defensive perspective, as I would have told you all when he committed. Uh, 
he's got a lot to learn. Um, he's he looked he didn't look as confident on Saturday as he normally does. He didn't make shots. Uh, that's not as big a deal as the fact that it obviously bothered him that he didn't make shots. And, uh, you know, he is a freshman. This is all normal. This is all perfectly normal. Right. Uh, um, so, you know, he's, he's so talented. He's so athletic that it's hard to see a world where he's not, um, you know, uh, a contributor this season if not a significant contributor, but at the same time, you got to call a spade a spade here and understand that, Hey, this guy might not be ready. doesn't mean he won't be ready in December or January or, or February, but um, in terms of day one stuff, um, it's possible. He's just not ready. And the, the obvious question I'll, we will get then is, well, should painter, you know, just throw him out there anyway in Honolulu and let him learn on the job so he's best at the end of the year. You know, there might be something to be said for that. It's not the end of the world if you lose to Kansas in the Maui Invitational. It's not the end of the world if you lose games in non-conferences here. You'd prefer not to, obviously, but, you know, there is that that big-picture element. But I think that sort of thing is like if somebody's really close, then that experience is, is, the, is the difference maker. And I, I just don't know if he's – up to speed defensively enough uh, and, you know, kind of things like that. Yeah. Got to remember too, he's like a year young for his class. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the youngest players in the freshman class nationally. And it, it's hard to believe because, you know, he's a grown man physically. And, uh, but that doesn't always mean you're a grown man mentally. And there's not a freshman in the country who this is going to come easy to. Uh, and he's certainly no exception. So we will see. It's one of the interesting dynamics about this uh, all, but it is funny how I said before we were, you know, we've been talking all summer about Heidi and Colvin and, you know, Brian Waddell after his great summer. And it's going to, it seems like it's going to revert back to the, uh, back to the older guys. You're going to see a lot of Ethan Morton. You're going to see a lot of Lance Jones. You're, you're going to mix in the younger guys. So, uh, as as Painter said Saturday, it's a good problem to have. But as I always say, it's a good problem to have, but it's a problem nonetheless. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk more hoops, of course, after the fan day uh, scrimmage on Saturday. Then Purdue uh, will go to Arkansas to play in a charity exhibition coming up this weekend uh, before the season starts here in a couple of weeks. We'll talk more with Brian here in just a moment. This is Golden Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill. Industrial and classic, the restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you are doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. 
Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Brian, you mentioned a moment ago that depth is a problem, but it's a good problem to have. But as you pointed out, it's still a problem. Uh, How does this all shake out from a minutes perspective? Purdue does have a lot of guys who seem like they can contribute positively. You can't really, in my opinion especially when it gets to Big Ten play, have a rotation that's 10 or 11. Yeah, no, you can't. 11 deep. I mean, a nine is is sort of the number. Uh, he's tried 10 before in the non-conference, and it works to a certain extent. But once you get into to January, February, March, obviously, uh, that becomes a little bit different. Uh, how does this all work out? Uh, well, somebody's not going to play as much as they probably could. Yeah. And that person or those people are going to have to – for the good of the team, uh, take one for that team. Uh, I don't know who that player is going to be. It's the question I get more than any other question uh, before the season is who's not going to play. Uh, you know, I think that's that's in part fans kind of celebrating their team's perceived depth. I also think it's a little bit paranoia in the transfer era, you know, things like that. But um, this isn't a new issue for Purdue. And uh, as you mentioned before, there have been situations in the past where they've played too many guys. Um, I'm going back a long ways here now. It's it's not like it was yesterday, but I keep going back to the year they were playing Kendall Stevens, Dakota Mathias, and Ryan Klein, and they weren't playing any of them enough. And yeah. as soon as Kendall Stevens sort of went by the wayside, uh, Dakota Mathias and Ryan Klein both took off. Um, but they were playing three guys just because they had three guys who were good. And I don't think it was helping any of them. And then when it went down to two guys, I think that helped both of them both those guys. So uh, I wouldn't anticipate Painter going out of his way or um, hurt, potentially hurting his team by just trying to give everybody minutes enough to keep them happy and things like that. Um, but there are more guys on this, on, on this team who can play, who, you know, just aren't going to play as, as much as, as, they've probably uh, shown they can. Uh, yeah. I'll go back to Brian Waddell here. He had a great summer. Uh, he, he was really, really good. But uh, was he so good that now all of a sudden he's a, he's a, a Big Ten ready physical specimen? Or um, is he just the sort of guy who is, is going to be a, a few minutes a game here and there? Um, when you need somebody who's going to do all the right things and be solid and not hurt you while he's in there, that I don't know. But he's the sort of player Matt Painter tends to default to. And, um, you know, I, I, I just don't know uh, if they can get enough minutes for, for all those guys. It, it's it's why coaches get paid a lot of money to make decisions like this and, you know, all that stuff. Even, I mean, Will Berg is not in the rotation but he appears to be a guy who who has a bright future and could be playing for a lot of teams. He, he's unlikely to be playing a whole lot on this team this year. 
Uh, yeah, no, he's not going to play at all. I mean, in yeah. terms of relevant minutes, it's. But he's got some ability. He's going to redshirt again. Uh, Basically, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, which is a great thing for your program. I mean, when you can, when you can get guys and have them wait an extended period of time for their turns. Um, that's how the Wisconsin's of the world did what they did, and that's how a lot of great programs, aside from the one and done folks, um, have done things before. Now it 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 is trickier now than it used to be because all of these guys have to ask themselves after every season where they want to be. Um, but no, Wilberg has shown some real potential here. Uh, I he doesn't look ready to me, but if every time I see him, he does he does one or two things where you're like, Hey, there's something here. Uh, that little short roll runner he made on Saturday. Um, this was a guy who his first week on campus, I was out at practice and he couldn't make a layup. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he could not put the ball in the basket from like a foot away. Uh, I, I, he was so raw from a basketball perspective. He was so out of shape as he was getting ready to move to Purdue move from Sweden uh, over to the United States that he just looked lost. And now he's, he's in good shape. He's healthy from everything. I understand the pterodactyl tooth they took out of his foot as, as pretty jokingly calls it um, has really transformed him from a quickness perspective, from a mobility perspective, but you don't need him. You know, uh, there are no minutes for him, even if you wanted to play him. Um, (laughs) you know, there are going to be situations where, you know, Purdue's up 20 with five minutes to go, or, uh, you know, probably not too many situations where Purdue's down 20 with five minutes to go, but, um, he will get those minutes and those will be valuable for him. Uh, assuming he gets those minutes, you can still, there's still not a ton of minutes, you know, for Caleb first relative to his, his body of work at Purdue. I mean, you you still might want to get him out there. Uh, too at at the end of games if he's only um, playing playing fifteen minutes otherwise, um, but uh, yeah no it's he, he's showing some positive things but Purdue doesn't need him until a year from now and uh, we'll see where he is at that time. I know it's just warm ups but I saw him hit eight consecutive three pointers from the wing so that was was nice was something. Um, Run some side ball screens for him, I guess. How many dudes is Cam Heidi going to posterize this year? Uh, Well, he's got to be on the floor uh, to do that. um, I think he's got a role. I I don't know if it's a a huge role. This is another situation where you can bring these guys along at a reasonable pace and build, you know, from here on up. He's an unbelievable athlete. He's been shooting the hell out of the ball. You know, under a lot of a lot of different circumstances over the years at Purdue, this guy's a starter. Yeah, and we'll kind of see where that goes. Um, maybe he still will be. I don't know, but he he is a specimen, man. He is a, he is a grown man, and under a, a lot of different circumstances too, he would be a, he'd be like stretch four. But uh, you know, there's no minutes there uh, at Purdue, nor do I sense any sort of burning desire to make him into anything more than, you know, a, a perimeter oriented player. 
but he's what I'm talking about what I was talking about before in terms of those those fifth options offensively when the ball gets moving and you have a, a defender scrambling from Fletcher lawyer over to the corner where they're going to have a cam Heidi setting um he's he's got to make good decisions attacking off the dribble or shooting uh you, you remember this, this is a bad comparison that'll that'll probably trigger a lot of people but uh <laughs> you know in 2019 the year they almost went to the final four they just stashed no gel eastern you know he was uh he, he was technically their point guard but he was a point guard in name only mm-hmm. uh when they got into half court offense they just stashed him in the corner and they said when the ball gets moving and it gets to you if you have an advantage on a guy drive past him go baseline and you know he was a better offensive player just doing that three yeah. or four times a game than he was when he was out there thinking he needed to be a scorer the following year and it, it, it's that zone on the floor that's going to be so important that corner that opposite corner three that opposite corner baseline drive you know sort of things like that guys playing off shot fakes guys making the right pass off the dribble guys making the right decisions going to the basket or not going to the basket, you know, sort of things like that. And that's where Cam Heidi's always been really good. in my observations is kind of attacking that baseline. He's kind of a, kind of the proverbial slasher. And uh, you saw Saturday how he's capable of kind of playing above the rim when he has a, has a step on somebody. Yeah. The opposite baseline reverse jam. That was eye opening. That was nice. (laughs) <laughs> that worked. Yeah, it's uh, the sort of thing you don't you haven't seen very much over the years at Purdue, and yeah. uh, it is it is it is a different level of athlete right now between him and Miles Coleman as opposed to a lot of what Purdue's generally had. Uh, yeah, you know, on the perimeter. All right. Aside from uh, hitting shots and mental toughness in in March. Uh, which is my number one concern when people ask me, uh, what are you concerned about? <laughs> what what concerns you right now? Uh, so do people just kind of come up to you on the street and be like, hey, what concerns you about Purdue? <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be kind of weird. You'd be um, surprised. Uh, concern? Uh, you already took shooting. <laughs> Um, oh, you, can take, you can take shooting. They, they shot all right. I don't know what the number. What did the numbers say? I didn't actually look at the numbers. They shot all right on Saturday, right? What did, what did the numbers no. say? No, they were they were in no. the twenty percent, I think. But you can boil that number down to like what shots are going to be taken in games. Like I don't think there's going to be many games where Lance Jones takes ten threes. You know, Miles Colvin was was zero for five, and uh, that's just not game like stuff. Um, yeah. But I think, uh, well, A, you have to stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would ordinarily say that, hey, you have to stay out of foul trouble. But I think, you know what, even if Zach Eady every now and then gets in foul trouble like he didn't last year, I think Purdue's still pretty good. Uh, yeah. Um, but, no, I, I I just think the turnovers uh, are part of it. I think Braden Smith is, has been tasked with being – way more aggressive as a scorer this year. And that adds another fine line for him to walk in terms of being aggressive, but also making good decisions and taking care of the basketball. There's no reason to think he's not capable of doing that. Um, But it's just something to watch. 
if they're playing, you know, Kaufman, Ren, and Edie together, uh, you know, <laughs> how many offensive fouls, how many tipped cross-lane passes are going to come out of that and be turned over, and then how much are you going get, to get beat in transition because you've got two plotters on the floor together, you know, stuff like that. That would be, uh, you know, I, I don't concern is kind of a strong word. That would be more of a curiosity to me, but, you know, Purdue is so damn efficient. Uh, and they have so much going for them offensively uh, if they're making threes mm. that you just have to keep maximizing those possessions. You got to keep those possessions. You got to keep getting offensive rebounds. If you can force more turnovers, great, but you can't fritter away possessions. Um, Purdue was okay with that last year until it mattered most. You know, the 16 turnovers against Fairleigh Dickinson was not a positive thing, nor were the was the atrocious three-point shooting, nor was the, the the foul shooting, you know, things like that. Purdue's just got to be – they just have to just maximize their possessions. They got to make their free throws. They can make their threes. They have to keep the – they have to keep their possession totals high. And uh, you can win mathematically more often than not if you just do that. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Brian. Yep. No problem. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show. For Brian Newbern, I'm Kyle Charters. This is Golden Black Radio.